0: brother martin why don't you come up and we're grateful for him and his friendship over the years and i know he's got something for us that'll help us uh this morning and so let's give him a warm pacific baptist welcome all righty thank you much i appreciate that it's good to see you all and i've enjoyed the few days that we've got to spend together and i hope the messages have uh, so far challenge your heart and will help you and encourage you uh, to go on and live for God. That's what uh, this life is all about. And uh, my wife sends her greetings and regards to you and uh, wishes she could be here. She's still recovering from her knee replacement surgery, so you pray for her. Hopefully, Lord willing, next year we'll be back. She'll be back with me. So, um, yep. Where's Mrs. Bowen at? Where are you at, Mrs. Bowen? Okay. This sweet lady over here, raise your hand up high, Miss Bowen. She's She's actually a, uh, she's a member of the church that we attend in Michigan. She's out here in California for a while, taking care of some health issues, but uh, Miss Bowen's husband was a pastor, and uh, pastored for a number of years, passed away just a couple years ago. He actually started the church that we're going to now, and uh, she just happened to be out here, so she drove down to be with us today. So thank the Lord for that. Thank you, Miss Kathy, for being here. Appreciate that. Well, I want to give you something this morning. Hopefully, we'll challenge you a little bit and get you thinking. If you would, turn it in Numbers chapter 13 in the Bible. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13 in the Bible is one of those passages that begins with great excitement and potential for God is about to show them what he's going to give them. Man, what a, what a thought about what he's going to do for them. In Numbers chapter 13... Beginning in verse 1, it says the Lord spake unto Moses saying, send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan which I give unto the children of Israel of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses by the commandment of the Lord sent them uh, from the wilderness of Paran. All those men uh, were heads of the children of Israel and these were their names. So what he's saying is we're going to send these men in to spy the land out, to check the land out. You know the story about these spies. If we skip down, it says in verse 17, Moses sent them to spy out the land and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they do, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that uh, they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, wherein there be wood therein or not. Notice what it says, and be ye of good courage. See, he knew what they were going to see when they went into the land. It says, and bring of the fruit of the land. And now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. Uh, So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob as uh, men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron where Ahiman and Shishai and Telmai and the children of Anak were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt, and they came unto the brook of Eshcol and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bare it between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and the figs. Can you just imagine that? I mean, they cut one cluster of grapes, and it was so big that they had to attach it to a staff, a rod, and two men had to carry it between them. God was just showing them what he was going to take them into and give them. And then it goes on to say, uh, the, the, uh, not only that, but it says that the, the pomegranates and figs, and uh, again, the place was called the Brook Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes, which the children of Israel cut down from thence, and they returned from searching the land uh, after 40 days. Can you only imagine what was going on in their minds and in their hearts, this branch cluster of grapes, these figs, these pomegranates and I might be getting a little ahead of myself here, but why is it that we automatically think when God is about to do something that there will be no trials or hardships on the pathway to it? I'm sure that when Joseph dreamed his dreams from God, that he had no idea that on the way to their fulfillment, he would be sold off by his brothers into slavery. And by the way, that only after Reuben convinced them not to kill him. He had no idea that he was going to be falsely accused by his master's wife, be thrown into prison unjustly. But God, what about the dreams? What about you, you know, what you told me, what you were preparing me for? It wasn't until the dreams came to fruition that he really began to understand it all. But it says twice in Genesis chapter 39, that's a chapter that tells us he was sold into Potiphar's house and then he was put into prison because of being unjustly accused. Two times in that chapter it says, and the Lord was with Joseph. (laughs) And the Lord was with Joseph. What are you saying? Man, no matter what, God's leading us to do something. Trust God. Just believe him. Amen. He wants to do something in our lives. He wants to prove himself in our lives. And by the way, he wants to get a testimony out of our lives and through our lives. It's really about trusting God for the testimony that he's trying to get us to bear for him. That's what he was trying to get the children of Israel to do there. A testimony of his blessing in our lives, even in hard times. He will never leave us or forsake us. Amen. The sad reality is that so often times we miss out on the blessings and the great testimony that we have the opportunity to bear for his name because of our failure to simply trust and obey. Just trust him. Just obey him. He wants to bless you. He wants to get glory out of your life. Those decisions that we make in those times of hardship are really going to determine our destiny where we end up. And Verse number 26, I want you to notice what it says here. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and to the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came into the land whither thou sendest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. I want you to notice the next word. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb still... The people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. It goes on to say, And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. So there's 12 spies that go out to spy the land out. Remember, Every one of them saw the same things. They all saw the the great blessings, but they all saw the challenges, too. But only two of them believed God. Oh, they they saw the grapes. They even helped carry them back. Amen. But some, yea, most of them, they let their fear trump their faith. So oftentimes, that's the way it is in our life. God's trying to move. God's trying to do something in our life, and we fail to have faith to just trust him and obey. I want to focus on the one word in the scriptures for the next few moments here that we just read that I focused on, and that is the word nevertheless. Nevertheless is defined here as a ceasing, an end, a finality. It says to mark a transition to something new. It says, in spite of or without regarding it. So when they came, they showed him everything. They said, it's everything that God said, but we're changing course here. Nevertheless. I want to preach a little message simply entitled this. How will nevertheless define you? How will nevertheless define you in your life? Father, I pray you'd bless the next few moments that we have to spend together. Lord, teach us from your word. Challenge us from your word. Father, I I pray that if there's somebody here today that's not even a child of God, that they wouldn't leave this church without getting that settled today. Father, thank you that you're our creator. Thank you for the songs these young ladies sang. Thank you that as the potter, you know the clay. We are your creation. But how much more you want us to be your children. Father, if we don't know that, I pray that people will get that settled today. But I pray that you'd use the message to encourage and challenge our hearts today to go on and live for you. May the nevertheless in our life define us in a positive way. Father, we'll be careful to give you the glory, for it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. The word nevertheless is used 97 times in the King James Version of the Bible, and uh, we will look at a number of those verses if you would, but uh, back to the question, or if I could simply put it this way how will nevertheless define your life? For those 10 of the 12 spies, it defined them because it kept them from what God had prepared for them and, uh, and they died in obscurity. However, for the two other spies, it defined them because they believed and trusted God and God allowed them to go into Canaan land. Amen. Can I just make this statement? Others, other people's negative nevertheless ought not affect us in a negative way, but in a positive way. Just because other people say, well, you know what, we just can't because it. Don't don't trust in what people say. Trust in what God's trying to do in your life. Amen. Amen. Believe him. Trust what uh, what he wants to do and what he's trying to do. If you get what I'm trying to say, um, what will be the nevertheless that stops you, that keeps you from, all that God has prepared for you—that trumps your faith. It may be as what, what what we're talking about here. The very first point I'm going to give you three points, three or four points. The first point is simply this: uh, Will it be the giants? Will the nevertheless in your life be the giants that stop you from what God has prepared for your life? Can I tell you? Every one of us face giants in our life. The word giants in this, where it says that, and we saw the, uh, the, the, the giants, the sons of Anak, uh, which come of the giants. You know what that word giants there means? I looked it up and here's what it says. A person or thing that is very large or powerful. A person or a thing that is very large or powerful. Man, there's, there's a lot of people that are large and powerful, but there's a lot of things that are powerful too. And then it goes on to say this, the second part of the definition says, a bully or tyrant. You think about that. Man, the giants in our lives are simply that. They're bullies. They're tyrants. They they try to keep us and hinder us from what God has prepared and what God wants to do in our life. If we're not careful, we will let every trial that we face in our life turn into a giant. God never intended that to happen in our lives. What does it say in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 13? There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Yeah. Will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See, if this, the spies that went in, if they had just trusted God, just believed God that he was going to be with them, that he was more powerful than any giant in the land, they would have gone on and they would have got the glory that the other two spies got. Amen. Yep. Amen. It says in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 25, the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Yeah. Amen. There's safety in our fear of the Lord and trusting him. 2 Timothy 1, 7, it says, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. We ought not be fearing this world. We ought not fear what man says in this world. Amen. As I said the other night, we've grown too accustomed to that, to, to being desensitized and yielding to what everybody else says. No, God's more powerful than anybody on the face of this earth. Amen. We need to trust him. We need to believe him. We need to not fear man. First mention in the scriptures of not fearing is in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1. I love this verse. When God told Abram, fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. You know what? He wants to be that for each and every one of us today too. He wants to be our shield and our exceeding great reward. Again, Hebrews 13, 5, Be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. You know, the phrase fear not or be not afraid occurs 103 times in the King James Bible. But if you add one little simple pronoun to it, You find it 365 times, one for every day of the year. How about that? And it brings you, if you add that one little pronoun, thou, fear thou not, Isaiah 41.10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Amen. Amen. What are you saying? Man, God doesn't want us to fear man. He doesn't want us to fear the giants of this world. He wants us to trust him, believe him, fear him, and watch what he can do for us. Man, giants in this life, they can be trials. But they they can simply be some of the giants that we face in life, our family. Amen. I was talking to Sunday school in the Filipino Sunday school, I was talking a little bit about this and about how if we're not careful, man, family can bully us. Family can be the tyrants in our life. Family can keep us from going forward to see what God wants us to be and do. Amen. Hey, you know another giant we face in life? Amen. Man, money can be a giant. It can be a bully. It can be a tyrant. Man, preacher, I've seen so many young people go off to Bible college and, and end up blowing up and blowing out. Why? Because they start making money. Young people start making money. It becomes a giant in their life. It becomes powerful. It becomes a bully. And they go and do uh, what they do just to make money rather than serve God. God called them to do something and they walk away from it. What are you saying? Man, trust God. Believe God. There's no amount of money in the world that's worth what God has prepared for you. Amen. The giants can be circumstances. Just circumstances that we face in life. Hey, another giant can be prosperity. Amen. Oh man, we get into prosperity, it becomes a bully, a, ty- a tyrant in our life, and another giant of simply the world. All of these giants in our life. What are you saying? I'm just saying, don't let the giants of this life be the nevertheless that defines you. I would do this, but my family. I would do this, but the trial that I'm, I would do this. I believe God wants me to, but you know what? There's so much money offered here. I I would do this, but these circumstances. No, just believe God and trust God. What is it that it's going to define your life? What nevertheless will define your life? The second one is just right after this. If if you know what happens in chapter 14, Numbers chapter 14, um, what ends up happening is uh, God says, you know what? Okay, none of you are going to go in the land except for, Joshua and Caleb, everybody else is going to die in the wilderness. Oh, now all of a sudden they want to change their tune. Look down if you would in verse number, uh, chapter 14 and verse number uh, 40. And it says, and they rose up early in the morning and got them up into the top of the mountain saying, Lo, we be here and, and we'll go up into the place which the Lord hath promised for we have sinned. And Moses said, wherefore now do ye transgress the commandment of the Lord, but it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye be not smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and ye shall fall by the sword, because ye are turned away from the Lord. Therefore the Lord will not be with you. But they presume to go up unto the hilltop. Nevertheless, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp, and then the Amalekites came down, and the Canaanites just dwelt on the hill, and smote them and discomfited them even unto Hormah. What are you saying about this, Brother Martin? What nevertheless is it that's going to define your life? Is it going to be the giants? Is it going to be presumptuous sin? This was a presumptuous sin in their life that they, they didn't follow God to begin with, but now they want to make it right on their terms. And God says, no, 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 no. I would have been with you before if you would have trusted me and gone in. But don't you try to go up now because you're not going to do it. You're going to be defeated before your enemy. They presumed that God would be with them. God says, don't go, but they go anyway. Kind of like when the word of God says, abstain from all appearance of evil. But we do what we want to do anyway. Uh, It's kind of like when the Bible says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But yet we get involved in those things. Presumptuous sin. Um, The word presumptuous, it means this, it means proud and wicked. It was in their pride that they were going to raise up and go on over, you know, well, God will be with, uh, I, I can do this and. It caused them to be defeated that day. There's presumptuous sin that happens in the life of children of God oft times. So what do you mean by that, Brother Martin? Uh, okay, well, you know what? I know I shouldn't be doing this, but you know what? I'm saved. I'm a child of God. It'll be okay. That's presumptuous sin. You know what that is? That's proud and wicked. Amen. Is that going to be the nevertheless that defines you? I know God's word says this. Nevertheless, I'm going to go against what his word says, and I'm going to do what I want to do. Boy, there's a whole lot of Christians who live that way today. Psalm 19 and verse 13, David prayed to God to keep him from presumptuous sin. Boy, every one of us ought to pray that. Oh, God, please keep me. From presumptuous sin, from proud, arrogant sin, wicked sin, God keep me on the right path. Second Timothy, uh, or sec, excuse me, Second Peter, chapter two, and verse ten, it describes the presumptuous person as someone that is fleshly, lustful, and self-willed. Hmm. Will the nevertheless that defines you be a presumptuous sin? something that you know is wrong, it's contrary to the word of God, but you're going to do it anyway. You know, when that happens, it can define your life forever. It can hinder your, 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 your life's work for God. It can keep you from the blessings of God and it can take your life too. Yeah. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, I could sit here today and share story after story after story after story of people that I know they got their life consumed in Presumptuous sins, just going against what God said. Men that were preachers, they're dead today. Amen. What are you saying? Don't let the nevertheless that defines your life be presumptuous sin. Don't let it be the giants of this life. 2 uh, Timothy chapter 2 and verse 19. Man, I love this verse. Let me read it to you real quick. In uh, uh, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse number 19, it says, get my fingers turned in here. Um, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Amen. What do you mean? Nevertheless, let the nevertheless be that I'm going to depart from iniquity. I'm not going to do presumptuous sin in my life. I'm not going to do contrary to what God desires and wants in my life. Amen? Amen. Presumptuous sin. Turn with me, if you would, to Joshua chapter 13. I'll give you a third one. Joshua chapter, and by the way, there's a lot of them in the scriptures. There's a lot of the times that that word nevertheless is used. Joshua chapter 13, and It's when the children of Israel went in and and conquered the land, or were conquering the land the way that they were instructed to, but I want you to notice what it says in verse number 13. It says, nevertheless, the children of Israel expelled not the Geshurites nor the Maacathites, but the Geshurites and the Maacathites dwell among the Israelites unto this day. What is it, what will be the nevertheless that defines your life? For, For them right here, for what ended up happening with them, it was The old inhabitants. You say, old inhabitants, what do you mean by that, Brother Martin? Well, God very specifically and very clearly, we could go back for sake of time, I won't. Numbers chapter 34, verses 50 through 55 tells us that they were supposed to go in and utterly destroy all the inhabitants of the land. Why? So they wouldn't become like those people. Here's the application that I want to kind of draw from that. What is it, what is the old inhabitants that are still hanging around in your life from when you were, before you got saved? What are those things that are still hanging around in your life that you have not driven out and conquered in your life? Well, I just can't get victory over that. When I, t- when I hear people say that, preacher, I always say, be careful what you're saying. Because if you say that, then you're saying you're not saved. Why? Well, the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If the spirit of God lives in you, you do have an ability, a power living within you to help you to be able to conquer those old sins. Amen. Amen. And get victory over them. But there's a whole lot of people just say, well, you just don't know my old life. You just don't know how I was. No, I was so addicted to this, and this was so much of my life, and that was so much of my life. Hey, wait a minute. Again, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have power to get over those things in your life through the Spirit of God that lives in you. Amen. You don't have to be defined by the old inhabitants. Man, how many people do you know, preacher, that, 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 that have gone through their life and gotten saved and then there's one glitch in their life or there's one thing that was from the past, that one thing that hindered them, stopped them, maybe got them out of church and they're not even in, in church today or maybe their life's over because of it. Yeah. You want the old inhabitants to be the nevertheless that defines your life? Boy, God help us. Yeah. Can I ask you what old inhabitants still hanging around from before you got saved? Is it wrong music? It destroys a whole lot of people. Well, you know, I just used to listen to, and I just, but you used to, you're born again, you're saved, you're a child of God, get rid of that old stuff. Put the right stuff in your life. Is it alcohol? I guess I should be careful what I say, but there was a friend of mine that was, He was a friend of mine. I knew him when he was a teenager. And some of you know who it is when I say this. He came out here to California. And became a pastor out here, and built a good work out here. They were doing a new building program for the new building they were moving into. Hundreds, run hundreds, hundreds of people. And the deacon found out that the pastor had been drinking confronted him about it. They talked about it. He said, well, I've battled with this since way back when I was a teenager. Of course, he had to step down. You say, where's he at today? He's in heaven. He died because of that. That ended up taking his life. An old inhabitant that hangs around. But He's saying, you better be careful. Don't let that be the defining of your life. What could have been the defining of, the, of his life preacher is that he would say, nevertheless, that used to have a hold of me, but not anymore. By the grace of God, I'm going to go forward and I'm going to accomplish what God wants me to. Amen. Amen. Don't let the old inhabitants could be friendships. Oh man, you better be careful about the old friendships, the old inhabitants in the land. You better be careful about it. God says we're not supposed to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Amen. Amen. We talked about that the other night. Hey, it may be the places that you went. What places did you used to go, but you got saved, but you're still going to those places? Come on. Get away from those places. God ain't getting glory in that. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Martin. That's good preaching. I appreciate that. You're going to let the old inhabitants define your life. What about language? Man, there's so many people. Get saved, Preacher. And, and it blows me away. I mean, I'm still talking with people and all of a sudden, boom, there comes cuss words flying on. I'm like, what the world is that? Man, you're saved, born again. Your conversation should be changed. Amen. Well, I just can't get over that. No, you don't want to get over that. There's a Holy Spirit that lives in you. You can get victory over that. Amen. What does it say in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 and 20? I'm almost done. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. I want to remind you, it says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Hey, that price was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It goes on to say, Therefore glorify God in your body, And in your spirit, which are God's, Amen. We ought to be glorifying them in our body and in our spirit, both. Are you going to let the old inhabitants be the nevertheless that defines you? Now, let me just say, as we turn this to a closing, you can let the nevertheless be what defines you in a positive way, as we see from Scripture. What are you saying? How about Caleb? Turn back to Joshua chapter 14. Again, the, ne- the nevertheless that was negative for the other people was a positive for Caleb. Because he just said, you know what? No way. We, I ain't listening to that. I'm going forward for God. Amen. And in num- uh, Joshua chapter 14, and verse number 8, notice what it says. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Amen. What are you saying? Hey, you know what? The world's going this way. Nevertheless, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to put him first in my life. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. I'm going to let him use my life for his glory. Amen. Just because others won't trust and follow God, you don't have to be affected by or give in to that. You can receive the blessings that God intends for you to have. In 2 Samuel chapter 5. And, uh, well, I won't turn there, but David, when David was going in to, to take J- Jerusalem to, to set it up as to, to be the capital there, um, the uh, Jebusites were still there. And the Jebusites said, you can't come in here, and we we're not going to allow you to come here except, uh, except you deal with some of the other peoples. And, and it says there that David said, nevertheless, he went in and conquered the land, took the land, took the city. Yeah. What do you mean? You ain't going to tell me what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what God told me to do. Amen. Boy, let the nevertheless be that which defines us in a positive way for God to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish for him. Amen. Nevertheless, he took the strongholds, it says. I want to turn to one passage here, Luke chapter five. And um, while you're turning there, I'll just say this. There's some, there's some very positive neverthelesses in the scripture. How about this? How about Galatians chapter two and verse 20? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. <laughs> Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm crucified with Christ, but I'm alive. Nevertheless, I'm alive because Christ is living in me. Amen. What about um, in Luke chapter, uh, excuse me, I got to get my page now. Luke chapter 5. Here's what it says in verse number 1. I love this passage. Verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he saith unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let your nets for, uh, let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master? We've told all night long and have taken, wait a minute. Do you understand? We were washing the nets. We were out fishing all night long and we didn't catch a thing. What's the next word? Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. He didn't let down the nets, but he let down a net. It says, and when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke. and they beckoned uh, beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help him. And they came and filled both the ships, and they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on his knees, saying, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. What are you saying? Hey, this nevertheless defined Peter in a great way. This was at the very beginning. This was when God was trying to call him out. That nevertheless defined Peter in such a way that Peter was one of the inner circle for Jesus Christ. That nevertheless defined Peter just because he said, nevertheless, at thy word, O Lord, this, I'll do it. Boy, would the God we'd be like that. Let the nevertheless define us in a positive way. What about this one? In Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, the Lord Jesus said, not my will, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's the, that's, the Lord Jesus was our supreme example, and that's the way every one of us are supposed to live this life. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. How are the neverthelesses in your life defining your life? Is it the giants? Is it the old inhabitants? Is it presumptuous sin? Is it things of this world? Is it family? Is it, or is it God? Let the nevertheless that determines and defines your life be, I will follow God. I think back uh, about my life and where I came from and uh, the testimony that I have, and I don't glory in the testimony, but living in a very abusive, just oppressive family and home life and uh, a scared little boy that hid behind everything, didn't want to talk to nobody, was had one friend in high school had a class of set, graduating class over 700 students i knew one kid and had one friendship just beat down all the time just so how are you doing what you're doing now nevertheless nevertheless i'm not going to let that define me I want God to define my life. I want God to show me what he wants and I want to believe God. Hey, let this be the de- defining point of your life. Romans 8:31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Let the nevertheless define your life in a way that brings honor and glory to God. Yeah. Father, I thank you for the privilege to be able to be here today and to speak to your dear people and Father, I pray that we would take heart to the truth of your word and, Lord, that you would challenge us through this and, God, that you would help us each and every one to be more in tune with you, that we be more spirit-filled, that we would follow you, Father, that the neverthelesses of our life would be that, nevertheless, I will follow God. I will be what you want me to be. Lord, help help us not to allow those other things to hinder our life, the giants, the presumptuous sins that try to creep into our life these other things lord would you help us today with heads bowed and eyes closed i want to ask a few questions the first one is how many of you do say brother martin if i were to die today i know for sure i'd go to heaven i can raise my hand as a testimony of that i know i'm on my way to heaven i have no doubts about that whatsoever i see those hands you can put your hands down is there somebody that would say brother martin i don't know that for sure i'm not sure that heaven's where i'm going to end up but boy, if I could know that, I want to know that. Would you pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up? That's me, Brother Martin. Pray for me. Anybody at all? I see that hand. Anybody else? Pray for me, Brother Martin. I see that hand. Anybody else? Pray for me, Brother Martin. I'm not sure about that. I sure want to know that. I don't want to die and go to hell. I see that hand. Thank you for being honest. Another hand. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. How many of you would say, Brother Martin, God spoke to my heart today? I'm afraid that the neverthelesses in my life that are defining me are very negative, and I don't want that to happen. I want them to be positive. God's spoken to me about some things in my life that I need to yield up to Him. Would you pray for me? And you'd slip a hand up. That's me, Brother Martin. That's many hands. Let's all stand to our feet with heads bowed and eyes closed. And listen. If you, I'm gonna pray for you. If you raise your hand and said, I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven, but I wanna know, I'm gonna pray for you. But the preacher is gonna be right here. I want you to come down. He'll have somebody take you and share what the word of God has to say so that you can know that you're on your way to heaven. Why don't you come while we pray? Altars open. Why don't you come? You raise your hand about anything. Father, I pray that you'd bless the altar time. I pray you'd have your will and way during this altar. Lord, help us to yield up those things, those neverthelesses that we cling to, that we need to let go of. God, may we let go of them today. For those that raise their hand, they're not sure they're on their way to heaven. Lord, please, would you bring them? Help us to be able to share the truth of the word of God with these dear people, that they may know that they're your child before they leave today. Lord, please bless this altar time. Have your will and way, I pray in Jesus' name. If you raised your hand, you're not sure you're on your way to heaven, why don't you come right now? Why don't you come? that so We can make sure that somebody shares the truth from the Word of God with you so that you can have that settled. Most important thing in life is to know that God is more than your creator. He's your Father. And you can look to Him for everything that you need in this life. God wants to use you, would you allow him to?